it's really all about the consumer and their feedback. And I'm always getting on the phone with consumers. I'm like, I probably do that like five to six times a month. I'm, I'm just interested in what they have to say, how we can make the product better, how we can tweak and evolve the experience to make it work with them. And so it's been really, it's really a fun thing. It's like building a puzzle. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. I know these times have been tough for a lot of us, right? If not all of us. But I think if anything, COVID-19, all of the disruption that we faced as business executives and as people, it's really encouraged us to be more compassionate, to be more open and to be more transparent with each other. And I can't think of a better example of this than Madeline Fraser, who's the founder and CEO of Gemist. I've never spoken with her before this conversation, and she was just so open, so transparent, and provided so many great insights as far as her experiences as an entrepreneur, building the Gemist business, and what really drives her and her team day-to-day to be more collaborative and innovative in their work. So not only will you get to learn about a new disruptive brand with this conversation, you'll really get an inside look into the mind of a business founder and what she's really focusing on, not just at the strategic level, but at the nuts and bolts tactical level, how they're using campaigns, social media, social listening, and even just one-on-one conversations with customers to find new ways to innovate and differentiate in the jewelry category. It's a fascinating conversation with so many different layers. And like I said, Madeline really pulled no punches and was open about basically everything. So I think you'll really enjoy meeting her. Madeline, so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you for having me, Alicia. I'm so happy to be here. So uh, to start things out, let's start a high level. Why don't you share a little bit about Gemist and what the brand is all about? Of course. This is my favorite question. Well, Gemist is the very first digital platform that allows you, the consumer, to fully customize jewelry online and then actually try on your custom designs at home before you buy. So the heart and soul of Gemist is around customization And then this idea of being able to kind of meet the world of digital and reality and bring that product to your home. So we like to say that we're bringing the retail store to the consumer. I love that. I'm sure we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that mission, especially with everything going on in the industry right now. But let's unpack kind of your goals and intentions for the business from the beginning, because I've had a few different conversations with entrepreneurs, brand founders, and it seems like the founding story, so to speak, is always rooted in some sort of personal experience that the founder has had, right? It's a problem or a pain point they experienced or them kind of saying, oh, I wish this was a little bit better or a little bit different. So let's get back to the root of Gemist and what inspired you to found it. What what was really your driving intention there? Yeah, well, you sort of hit the nail on the head there. I couldn't agree more with what you just said. I'm actually a three-time founder. So being an entrepreneur is kind of just in my DNA for better or for worse. (laughs) But I'm sort of one of those people that when I find a problem, I have to solve it. And that's what I'm learning about myself as 
Now I've been doing this for seven years, creating and growing startups. And Gemma says my third business, I think this is going to be my path forever. And I always wonder how many companies I'll actually create and grow. But I feel very lucky to be able to do that as a career path. When it came to the idea for Gemis, I was actually running another business and was not thinking about starting another company. But I was actually personally getting engaged in my life and taking that leap with my partner. And we sort of talked about the engagement ahead of time. And I knew I really wanted a ring that was unique to me. I definitely didn't want something that everybody else had. And I really wanted it to be an extension of who I am because it was something I was going to be wearing all the time. And I think in my mind, I sort of assumed something like Gemist already existed. I think we live in a very tech forward world where pretty much everything is online. And in my mind, most industries have some version of customization, home try-on, et cetera. We've seen it time and time again in multiple industries. So it was really shocking to me that that wasn't available from a jewelry perspective. And initially I tried all these online platforms and nothing was simple. Nothing was easy. It was incredibly overwhelming. I found the tech to be really outdated, right? Really um, kind of clunky. And, you know, when you go to select a diamond, you're essentially, you know, where I was presented with like an Excel spreadsheet of hundreds of thousands of options. I mean, it was like, I was going cross-eyed and getting very nervous. <laughs> and so I ended up saying, okay, well, I guess you can't do this online. So I guess I'll just go to the store. You know, that was my next option. Um, And of course, this was very much pre-COVID. So I went with my partner. We went to a few stores. I live in LA. And I just, I felt like that experience was very stale. I felt out of place. I actually really felt like I had no money. I found the markups. And now I know about the markups in the jewelry industry, but oh my God, I was like, this is so expensive. And how did I not know this would be this expensive? I felt just really, really out of place. And so now... At that point, I was a few months into this journey of trying to find a ring and I was ringless, essentially. And so I, it was crazy. And I started reaching out to my mom's friends and their girl, like, you know, girlfriends that, you know, I was like, I need people to guide me. And I learned about jewelers, like family jewelers and stuff, which I didn't really know about before. And so I got a few phone numbers and the first guy who called me back, I was like, I'll be there tomorrow. Where are you? And he's like, I'm in downtown LA. I'm like, okay. So I go to this tiny little hole in the wall office in downtown LA. It was definitely a strange experience. And I essentially drew my ring on a piece of paper. (laughs) Can't, you know, I'm I'm a very creative person. So I did actually have clarity in what I wanted. Thank goodness. And I told him exactly how to do everything, exactly what I wanted. He was like, okay, then I gave him a deposit in cash. And my husband's name is Clinton. We kind of just crossed our fingers and said, are we ever going to see this ring? You know, that was the issue. We didn't, we didn't really have trust in this process. It felt kind of sketchy and weird. (laughs) And so anyway, it all worked out because I ended up getting this beautiful ring at a fraction of the price point I had seen everywhere else. And it's one of those pieces that I get stopped all the time. Where did you get that? I want that, that, you know, anyone who really knows me is like, wow, that's, that looks like a, a ring that was made for you. And that was really when the light bulb went off for me that I realized, oh, wow, like there is a viable product. You can actually make custom jewelry, right? That's unique to you and affordable and you can make it quickly. But we have this process that didn't get me there easily, right? That actually stressed me out a lot and we need to change that. And so that's really kind of the heart and soul of how Gemis was born because as I started thinking about how I wanted to change it, I started talking to people and I realized everyone had had the same pain point, that that experience was actually really universal. And really that the industry as a whole was super traditional and needed a refresh from a tech perspective. And 
that's pretty much in a nutshell, kind of what I do for a living. So once I got that idea in my head, you couldn't stop me. Yeah, I love that. And I do want to get into the fact that you're a serial entrepreneur, so to speak, a little bit later, but let's dig a little bit further into Gemma's because I can't agree more. I know when my now husband and I were talking about getting engaged and we started to look at rings, I felt way over my head. I know some people love jewelry shopping. They know about like the clarity and the cut of the diamond and all that nuance. Like my sister was doing all the research. She was so into it. I just couldn't. I was like, this is not, I'm not in my element right now. So I think there's this notion of democratizing the process, so to speak, simplifying it, making it a bit more turnkey, but also still providing that element of customization because I know that just based on our consumer research, there is this expectation, like people want things the way they want them. They want to feel like they're in control of their buying decisions in in multiple areas. So it seems like you're hitting on a lot of critical value propositions, I think, just based on where retail is right now and where it's heading. So let's start with the experience first, because you noted a few key pay points. Online experience, not quite tech savvy, not quite where it should be. And then in-store experience, it was either you felt way out of your element or this is a little sketchy and I don't know if I'm going to get a good end product. So how did this inform or guide the type of experience that you wanted to create for Gemis, because we do have a lot of experienced designers and like marketers on the line. So let's kind of walk through what that step-by-step experience would look like for, say, a typical consumer that's that's looking to buy an engagement ring, for example. Yeah, definitely. So for me, I thought in my mind, I really come from a tech background and creating technology in really creative industries that need a refresh is what I know how to do very well. And so that was step one. It was, we need a beautiful tech platform. We need an app. We need a website. We need something that's fully functional that is really, really rooted in fantastic user experience, in ease, in simplicity, in a brand that's younger and fresh and has a voice, right? That doesn't look like every other jewelry brand we've already seen before. And to me, that really came down to building a designer experience. And really, that means customize whatever you want, right? And give consumers the option. And we're always adding more options. We're always learning from our consumers. So in a lot of ways, I always say we're at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we can offer. But that's the fun part about this, right? You never have like an end point, right? You're always evolving. You're always innovating. And so visualizing the ring on an online platform and being able to design it was the first step. And I knew how to execute that. I knew how to do it. So that's really where we started. But to me, that only really solved about 80% of the problem because I also am a big believer in the fact that we as human beings are very social creatures who actually really want to touch and feel things. It doesn't really mean enough to just have an only digital platform. So for me, I thought, okay, well, what if I could create like an identical version of a fine jewelry product just with affordable materials. That's what I tried to figure out how to do. And I actually started just going downtown and like learning about jewelry. I don't come from a jewelry background. Like I said, I come from a tech background. So I was just kind of curious and exploring that. And I realized you could do it. And so we've basically been able to make identical replicas of our fine jewelry rings and products just with more affordable materials that we can utilize in the try-on platform. And so they're basically just made of like sterling silver, 
they're gold plated. And then we partnered with Swarovski Crystal to match all of our diamond colors, all of our gemstone colors, so that it really does look like this identical piece. And once I figured that out, I was like, wow, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense because now we can allow consumers to to build what they want and then actually see it in person. And that was kind of, to me, the secret sauce. So of course, we launched into beta and this was in May of 2019. And we just had a prototype app. We had the basic try-on experience. And it was just kind of like, okay, let's like see what people think about this. Because for me, I'm always like, I can't get this to 100%. There's no version of this that is 100%, by the way. Perfection doesn't exist. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to get it to 80, 90%. And then the consumer is going to finish it, right? They're going to help me build this. And I was right, because what ended up happening was all of these women who were using the product, A, really loved it, loved the customization aspect, thought the product in terms of the physical rings were impeccable and really exciting. But the next thing they said was, well, where are the earrings? Where are the necklaces? You know, like I'm already married or I'm single. I'm not, I don't have a boyfriend yet. You know, like, like finding someone in the specific moment in their life when they were getting engaged actually was too niche for what we were creating because what we were building was something that was exciting the consumer beyond engagement. And so really quickly, I was shocked by that. It was exciting, but it was like, oh, wow, like we need to kind of pivot and open this up right? Make something actually bigger. We're onto something more than just engagement. And so really quickly before we launched, we opened it up to uh, the entire ring category. So we did like stackables, cocktail rings, engagement rings, everything. And that's what we launched with. And then in March, around kind of when the whole pandemic thing started happening, we, we launched earrings. And then now we're about to launch necklaces. So we're sort of slowly but surely adding more and more products to the pipeline to really disrupt the industry from every category, not just a bridal perspective, but from an everyday jewelry perspective, which is really what's exciting the consumer, I think, in a lot of ways, because who knew you could design custom jewelry that was affordable for things that aren't just bridal or an engagement ring, but maybe I can design my own earrings or my own necklaces to go with XYZ. And so that's been really exciting to sort of see that evolve. But it's really all about the consumer and their feedback. And I'm always getting on the phone with consumers. <laughs> I'm like, I probably do that like five to six times a month. I'm, I'm just interested in what they have to say, how we can make the product better, how we can tweak and evolve the experience to make it work with them. And so it's been really, it's really a fun thing. It's like building a puzzle. So it's been great. Yeah, I love that you get on the phone with them because it's not something you hear about much anymore. A lot of it is very quantitative data driven or, you know, social media mining. So, I mean, to that end, how would you define your target audience for Gemist? Have you seen like as the company has grown and scaled that there's been an expansion of that audience or is it still pretty focused, I guess, from not just a behavioral standpoint, but just, you know, core demographic standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I'd say millennials are probably the largest demographic that we work with. They are also the main demographic getting married right now. So they're definitely the ones coming to us for engagement products. As we've opened up, kind of the pipelines to other categories of jewelry, though, we've actually been seeing a younger demographic, like a Gen Z demographic, uh, come into the platform. I think it's also because of our price points. We are a luxury brand, we're direct to consumer, but we're luxury without the standard markups that you would see in the jewelry industry. So you can actually get fine jewelry at Gemis at a really affordable price point. And what we've also allowed consumers to do is build their own jewelry and design their own jewelry also based on materials. So you can build and find jewelry, but you can also build and create and fashion jewelry, which I think is 
why not? Right. I mean, you don't have to come to a jewelry company and think, oh, I can only spend a thousand dollars. What if you could spend a hundred? To me, it feels like I wanted to create something really accessible that really resonates with no matter what your style is, no matter what your budget is, you can come here and create something unique to you. That was really important to me. Well, that's great. And I think, you know, just going back to your point around the jewelry category overall, it seems like there are temps at innovation. I mean, I'm thinking about like, say, like the brilliant earths of the world that are attempting to close that tech gap, that we're also seeing some moves in sustainability and like the ethical nature of jewelry shopping. But I have to ask you, since you you did such a great job of pinpointing that need and, and opportunity from a business standpoint, are there any other opportunities for the category to innovate and drive positive change? I guess the more appropriate question is, are there any other areas that Gemist is focusing on improving upon or innovating in in order to stand out? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that I think about building Gemis and really disrupting the industry is is omni-channel, right? I'm not focused on just one channel, one revenue stream, one platform. We're really thinking big vision, big picture as we grow and scale. Alongside our direct-to-consumer platform, one thing we've been building out is an experiential retail model. I think this is a really interesting time to talk about something related to retail because of what we've been seeing happening with COVID. And I think over in general, the last decade, We've read a lot of articles that say, well, retail is dying and because of X, Y, and Z. And I would actually argue that that's not true. I think that that's actually why something like a home try-on really works, right? Meeting the world of digital and reality is something I say a lot because it's something I incredibly believe in. And to me, that also means how can we innovate an in-person experience to make it worthwhile, to make it something you are going to come out of your house for, right? To engage the consumer in that way is something that I think is a really great challenge, especially right now. So what Gemis is doing is we're building out pop-up partners with retailers, and then eventually we'll potentially have our own locations where you can actually bring the digital platform to life and try on jewelry, design jewelry in person, right? And it's a really fun experiential model. It's sort of like build a bear for jewelry. So everything's modular. You can pick different stones. You can see the jewelry sort of come to life before your eyes, which is something that hasn't really happened yet for some reason. I'm not really exactly sure why. I think that when you look at the jewelry industry as a whole, it's just been very traditional. It's sort of sit within this box, which is how it's been. And that's fine. But I think that what it takes is somebody who thinks differently. And for me, like I said, I'm not a jewelry person. Jewelry isn't my DNA. I think differently. I'm a startup founder. I'm a tech founder. And so I think it kind of took that kind of out of the box thinking to sort of say, well, why don't we try this? And why don't we tweak this? And how about we add this? And it's kind of these factors um, and these channels that we're piecing together and testing with our consumers that are really resonating. And they create that wow factor where they leave these experiences and they tell everybody about them because they've never seen that happen before. And I think that that's something that if you talk to anyone in the jewelry industry that's been in the industry for a long time, we're all trying to find meaning, purpose, right? Something that psychologically takes this from an earring to something that actually has a meaning to me, my life, and who I am. And I think that's really the core of what Gemis is attempting to do through technology, through experiences that resonate with the younger demographic. And so that's a kind of the stuff that I'm thinking a lot about. And experiential retail is, is definitely top on that list. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because as we kind of chat out the mission and approach of Gemis, the, the more I kind of realize that 
this particular category is very much rooted in tradition, right? There's a certain way of doing things, and this is the way it's always been done, and this is what made jewelry shopping so exclusive and memorable, but that has to be turned on its head, right? Especially as our behaviors continue to change, especially in these times, right? I mean, our our behaviors are shape-shifting. We're relying more on digital. So it's interesting to hear your perspective where you're trying to turn that traditional model sort of on its head, which kind of leads me to the point around discovery and acquisition. So you, you kind of noted earlier that there's either like these big chains or these little holes in the wall, like smaller businesses. From Gemma's standpoint, I mean, what's really helped you from a brand awareness and customer acquisition standpoint, given that you're speaking so so largely to millennials? Is social media huge for you? Or how do you kind of build out that awareness and, and build your community up? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think marketing is that thing that I think is hard for any founder going into creating a consumer facing brand because a consumer behavior is changing. When you add anything that's happening in the world, such as a global pandemic, (laughs) right? Things get tough and it's never one thing that only works. I think it's always a combination of things. And I think you have to just get really creative when thinking about marketing to your demographic. What I will say is that the most important thing that I found is being really grounded, very clear, and very purposeful with how you message your brand and really what are the values that you stand behind as a company, as a brand, right? What do you believe in? And we've been really good at that because we have a team that really wholeheartedly believes in all of the values of Gemis and we know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I think that that really kind of comes across in our brand. So that's the through line as the first thing that we're always going back to, we're always thinking about. From there, it's really about, I think, finding unique ways to storytell. I always sort of say like, I'm a storyteller at the heart of what I do. It's anything from raising money to creating a brand to building a business. It's all about telling a story, right? And I think one thing that's been at a disconnect in the jewelry industry is actually that storytelling. I think that's actually why something like a diamond is so confusing to people. I think that's why you get sensory overload, right? Or a lack of education because nothing is grounding us to what the four C's mean, right? Or where these diamonds come from or what sustainability actually looks like in this industry. And I think that's just probably just because everyone has a different opinion and it's just a lot of stuff coming at us all at once. And so we have a philosophy really grounded in branding that and telling that story. So for example, just a quick example of what we do, like we don't offer hundreds and thousands of diamonds or gemstones on Gemist. We hand select what we think are the best quality at the best price points. And we don't even really talk about the four C's. We actually name our diamonds based off of what they really are. And we talk about color and clarity more as the story of that diamond and how that diamond came to be rather than a scientific method for the diamond, right? And I think that that is refreshing to the consumer because they can like grab it, think about it, look at it. Because I'll tell you one thing at the end of the day, what really ends up happening is most people, they just want it to look beautiful. A lot of times they tell me, I just want something that's white and sparkly. And most of them are going to say, I'd rather have a larger carrot size right? So I I would rather spend a little more on carrot size and go down in color and clarity. So what we've done is we've done the work to sort of say for that type of consumer, which is what we see a lot of Gemis, 
here you go. Here are the options. And I think that that's really nice for the consumer. They really appreciate it. They like it. It's more of a handheld approach that's much less complicated. So I think just simplifying, educating, really holding up branding. And then the last thing I would say is partnerships. There's no way that a brand can really get anywhere without strong partnerships and alignments with other brands who have been there longer than you, right? And so that's really how we think about our digital brand partners, our retail brand partners, and even our investors and the people that we align with our brand, we are working together to grow. And it's not just one person out for themselves. And so one factor of marketing that's done a really good job is actually affiliate marketing, which I'm telling all my founder friends about now because something I didn't dabble in enough in my last businesses. But that's a fantastic way to create partnerships. And then you're both making money on sales together, right? It's not like you're throwing money at the wall and hoping it sticks. It's a much more equal way, in my opinion, to make money with with a partner. And so that's one that we've seen incredibly grow and be very successful with Gemist. Yeah, that partnerships point is a fantastic point. And I think as both brands and retailers try to figure out their best steps forward and, and try to figure out where does our brand belong? What does the experience look like? I'm hopeful that those partnership models will come more to the forefront But in Gemis' world, I mean, are there any key qualifiers for these partnerships, meaning the types of companies you look to work with, the retailers you look to partner with? Is there like a checklist, so to speak, of like, okay, this company kind of fits the bill, this aligns with our mission, our values, because we're seeing more of those strategic conversations take place around like, is this, is this going to be beneficial, not just for us from a business standpoint, but for our customers? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really about are you both aligned from an innovation perspective? Do you both want growth toward the same demographic? Do you both want to make a splash, right? And so we've definitely worked with companies that are a little bit more like direct-to-consumer focused. We've worked with larger corporate businesses. I mean, one of our investors is De Beers Diamonds, right? That's a great example of a company that is a legend in the jewelry industry, the leader in diamond supply and mining, a company that's been around for a very, very long time. And initially, when you think of that, you think, oh, well, they're, they must be so different than Gemis, right? But I actually think that that's the beautiful strength between that type of a partnership. It's because you each have different strengths. And when you meet those strengths together, you end up having a much different reaction. You end up having this, this beautiful, wholehearted circle of, oh, I can do this and you can do this and we can work together to do something great. And so I think when I would encourage founders to look at partnerships, don't be narrow-minded, right? Think big, really understand what your strengths are and what you would want out of a partner to support you in those strengths. And what are you missing as a brand, right? Maybe there's a way that another partner can help you elevate your brand, can help support your brand that you might not have without them. I think it's really about growing together, right? And being critical about understanding who you are as a brand, what you're building, so that you can find the right partners to help you succeed. Yes. More cooperation and collaboration versus competition. I love that. Exactly. Excellent. And I know Gemist 
overall has been experiencing some growth and evolution, some scale over the past year. So give us the scoop. I mean, what are some shining moments for you as an entrepreneur, as the founder of the business? What has been happening for the business over the past year, especially in light of all the disruption going on? And how is the intersection of these two things, right? Everything happening with COVID, but also all of the positive momentum you're seeing with Gemist. I mean, how are they collectively driving your plans for further growth and evolution for Gemist moving forward? Yeah, I mean, man, what a year we've had. And, you know, I don't yeah. really know. <laughs> you can say that. I don't, really, <laughs> I, I don't know when this is going to end either, right? I think we all have our fingers crossed that 2020 will be something that we can look back on, but we don't really know that yet. and so. I think no matter what, we're going to see a lot of changes moving forward over the next few years with the economy, with everything happening. So what I will say is that it's been really a lovely thing to have some type of success during this time. I've had a lot of friends that I've seen their companies pretty much end overnight. And that's just the nature of the business. And like, let's say you're running a restaurant, that is tough. And I, I have a lot of sympathy for certain industries. I think we're incredibly lucky that we are a hybrid model, right? We're not just digital, we're not just retail. We are merging those worlds together. And like, for example, our home try-on just program just rocketed. I mean, it skyrocketed. We were pleasantly surprised because I think on top of it, it was doing well before COVID. But then when you can't leave your home, something like bringing a retail store to you is really exciting. And so we've seen that growth just sort of take off. And I'm curious to see kind of what happens as we get back to more of a new normal. I would argue that there's going to still be people who are doing things online. But I also think that we're going to see retail come back in new ways, but in much more experiential models. I think, if anything, this is going to push industries as a whole to be very critical about being online first, being digital first, really understanding how to innovate from a digital perspective is, in my opinion, the most important thing you can be doing right now. Because if you are only focused on brick and mortar or even only focused on one channel in general, we now know that that isn't the best place to be because you kind of need a packup plan because now we know that something like COVID could happen, right? I mean, this hasn't happened to us in a long time. We haven't been in this place before. So I think we're going to see a lot of evolution in multiple industries across the board. But I think no matter what, we're finding that companies need to push boundaries, need to innovate in more ways than one. And it's not enough, right, to just follow the leader or be put in that box. We're going to have to take charge in innovating with whatever industry we're in. But regardless, I think we're going to see a lot of interesting change. A lot of creativity is going to come out of this. It already has. And I, I'm very hopeful for the future as we look forward. But it's been challenging, to say the least. But also the silver lining has been, wow, because we've innovated, because we've done XYZ, and because we have an agile team, we've survived this. And we've actually thrived during it. So yeah, it's been definitely an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's definitely, I think made the cases where companies didn't necessarily prioritize innovation or their efforts got stuck in the same old way of doing things, right? All the red tape, the, re the extensive review processes. We saw some retailers stand up experiences like curbside in days when it would have taken months or you know several quarters to stand those up. So I agree, even though we did have some casualties of the whole process, and a lot of that was accelerated as a result of COVID. I agree. I think this 
presents so many great opportunities for evolution, for innovation, and it seems like Gemis is really on the forefront for the category in particular. So really excited for you. So to that end, this episode will be going live in the heart of the holiday season, which historically has been the time for brands and retailers to really pull at the stops, do really fun campaigns, activations, experiences, who knows what that'll fully look like this year. But does Gemist have anything exciting going on for the holiday season in particular, or or maybe even going into early 2021? Yeah, we have a lot of great stuff. We have a lot of really big partnerships coming out over the next few months and into Q1. And for us, it's really also about how can we storytell around jewelry? How can we create campaigns that are meaningful to our consumer? How can we launch new products, right? Gifting is a big, big thing in the jewelry industry. So how can we leverage that? So we're thinking about all those things. And then we actually have our very first large experiential pop-up happening at Fred Siegel in West Hollywood in Los Angeles. So that's happening in about a month and that will go through the holiday season, which we're very excited about. So, you know, it's, I think it's going to be a really busy Q4, but a really fun one as well. The jewelry industry definitely shines during gifting seasons. (laughs) So we're going to be leveraging that and and playing with that and having a lot of fun with it. So we're excited to, we're already, hey, it's already at the end of October already, already, which is shocking. Time is such a weird thing right now. (laughs) I know. It's like we're in a time vortex. In my house. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what day is it? And how is it already October 20th? But yeah, I think as we see Q4 unravel and, and open up, I think, There's going to be a lot of fun things happening with Gemis. And then 2021 is a big year for us. We have a lot of really exciting partnerships lined up that I can't reveal just yet. But, you know, onward and upward, a lot of good things happening for the business. Amazing. And I have to say, Mel, it's really incredible just speaking to you as someone who built this from the ground up. And there are so many exciting things going on. And honestly, you have such a refreshing perspective on the industry as a whole and and the jewelry category and just just your take on innovation. So it's really incredible just to hear your story and hear how you're planning to move forward as the founder and CEO, because I know there are a lot of folks in the industry that are in the same boat. So really appreciate your candid take on everything that's happening. And of course, your transparency into where Gemist is heading. Oh, thank you so much. That's really sweet of you to say. I think as a female founder, as a founder in general, I'm a big believer in authenticity, in honesty, and in sharing the ups and downs that that is growing a company. There is nothing about this that is easy, nothing about this that is a straight line. I think we look at success, whatever that means exactly, and and we say, oh, wow, like I, I wish I could do that. And look how they made it look so easy. Well, it's not. <laughs> and so, you know, for every founder out there, keep up the good fight build what you love and everything else falls into place. Just enjoy the journey is really what I'm trying to focus on right now. Yeah, absolutely. So to that end, you know, to kind of put a bow and come full circle in our conversation as an entrepreneur, as a founder and CEO, I'm sure it feels overwhelming some days to keep all of the pieces together, to find new opportunities, manage all of the moving parts of your business in such constantly changing times. How do you kind of stay inspired and engaged in the work? Because I know myself personally, I mean, I don't have a job as important as you do, but some some days I'm just like, ugh, like it's just like the day after day after day. Like you said, we're home, you know, we're kind of bunkered down and, you know, just in it. So, I mean, what kind of drives you from an inspiration standpoint, from an idea creation standpoint, any closing 
any closing references or points of inspiration that all the executives can take with them after they listen to this conversation? Sure. I mean, you know, I think one thing I've learned over doing this for so many years is just kind of being a little bit kinder to yourself. I think when it comes to being a CEO, a founder, a lot of it's like, well, just keep going and always be happy and always be driven. And and that's just like impossible. So I have my good days. I have my bad days. I have my good weeks and my bad weeks, you know? And I think we just have to kind of like give ourselves a pat on the back every once in a while and be like, wow, look what I've actually done. I don't think any of us really take enough time to look back and say, wow, like we did that, we built that, we created that. I think a lot of times we focus on, well, if only I had done this or I didn't do this or I didn't wake up early enough today to get X, Y, Z done. So I've really been trying to give myself kindness, uh, compassion around all of those things because I do work really, really hard. And with my team, we've created something really amazing. And sometimes you forget about that, you know, day in and day out of kind of schlepping through what it is to grow a business. Um, The other thing I found is like, I think we can't discount what this whole quarantine COVID situation has done to our emotional state as humans. I have a business coach and, and she was telling me, she was like, you know, everything that's going on right now, it could actually kind of feel like you're grieving. Like you've had like a loss in your family, even though maybe you haven't. Right. But it's, this is a heavy time for all of us. And I think we need to realize that, like, let that sit, let that settle it's hard to be in your house day in and day out. It's hard to be scared about your health, about the health of your loved ones. And we can't just say like, everything's fine all the time. One thing I have done in quarantine, because I'm telling you for the first few months, I was like not working out. I was just like eating everything. (laughs) And I finally (laughs) was like, oh my God, like I need to snap out of this. You know, I was like working and stuff, but I wasn't taking care of myself like physically and emotionally. I was kind of just like going with this flow like processing everything. But I finally started working out like every day. And I actually invested in a Peloton, which is like changing my life because it's get it gets out the jitters, it gets out the anxiety, it gets out like all the stuff that you hold on to when you have a job like this. And it's like literally amazing. I'm so happy about it. And so now if I don't do it, like at least once a day, I can tell that I'm more tense or I, you know what I mean? Like, so I think just finding whatever is that or least for you as a person is really important and remembering to take care of yourself, right? Because we're always thinking, I'm going to take care of everybody else. But reflect on that. Think about how you can take care of yourself every once in a while. Definitely important. Yeah, so many great points. I know myself personally, I like I need to get outside in some way, if only for like 20 minutes. There was a period we had a bit of a busy season here and I literally did not leave my house for three days. And I was like, why do I feel so awful? And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm like literally a cave person. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. I need to leave the house for a bit. So it definitely yeah. does change things up a little bit. makes you feel a little fresher. I mean, like seriously, and it's funny, like I think it's interesting to just being a woman, like not wearing makeup, right? Not like putting on an outfit. Like there's something about that that's so weird and it makes you feel it's confusing. Again, that's why like the time thing is not, I'm not grounded in time right now either because I'm like, what is going on? It's not like a normal day for any of us. And so I think it's just, this is just a wonky time. We just have to know that and accept it and just put one foot in front of the other. 
you know, like that's all you can really do and have, have a lot of self-compassion. Yep. So true. So many great closing points there, Marilyn. I think not just at the business level and, you know, you're running the company and delegating and keeping the machine moving, so to speak, but also at the end of the day, we're just people. So just that compassion, like you said, that acknowledgement that things are different and we're all kind of working collectively towards the same thing and in the same context. I'm pretty confident that that's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. So thank you again so much for taking the time out for sharing more about Gemis, such an exciting company and such an exciting context and really can't wait to see all of the fantastic moves you're going to be making this holiday season and into 2021. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to speak with you. I really appreciate you having me on. Excellent. And of course, thanks to everyone out there for listening to this episode. If you have another business founder, entrepreneur, new and up and coming brand and business that you think we should sit down with and hear from, feel free to drop us a line on social media. You can reach us at Twitter at our touch points. Um, we always love to spotlight these stories like Gemist and Madeline. So fascinating. And as always, if you have not subscribed to the pod through your preferred podcast player, please do so. You'll get an alert when new episodes like this are available. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.